What's up, Law Nation? Welcome to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, your favorite place for learning about the world of alternative passive investments so that you can create more freedom to be happy, healthy, and wealthy. Now, if you're ready to kick that billable hour to the curb, start by going to attorneybydesign.com and download the Freedom Blueprint. This will also get you access to opportunities to partner with us on one of our next passive real estate investments. All right, today I'm going to ask you a question. Why did you get into law or medicine or tech or whatever career you're currently in? Was it for the money? Was it because of family pressure? Was there a genuine interest or a passion? And is that why enough to keep you happy? If so, fantastic. Keep going, keep achieving, make partner, get those promotions, do all those things. But keep in mind the day will come when you do not want to trade your time for money any longer. Start planning and building for that today. Now, on the other hand, if that why is not enough, just know that if you plan on transitioning out at some point, it's not all at a loss. George Fajardo, our guest today, had an incredible quote when asked about why he attended law school, and that was, what better way to play the game than by knowing all the rules? That's gold. And it's 100% true for all you attorneys out there. Learning to think like a lawyer and the skills you've learned in your career, verbal communication, written communication, negotiation skills, all those things are major advantages in any future endeavor you undertake. And this holds true for all of us in other professions as well. We are successful in our nine to five for good reasons. Use those to your advantage. All right. Our guest today, George Fajardo, is an FIU College of Law graduate and the founder of Keystone Property Investments, which holds an impressive portfolio of multifamily, single family, and vacation rental properties. All right, folks, let's jump in. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra-wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. George, what's going on, brother? Welcome to the show. Hey, Seth. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Doing great, man. Really, really stoked to have you on the show today, man. I know we've been uh, trying to get you on here for a while, so I'm really excited to have you on, man. So let's let's jump right in. What's your story? Tell us a little bit about your background and how you kind of got to where you're at today. Take it back as far as you want. Yeah, no, no, listen, absolutely. And like I said, thank you for having me. I know that uh, we've been trying to get together for a few months, so I'm glad that we finally uh, were able to uh, to get it done. Um, you know, and, and before we start, you know, one of the things that I love about about, you know, your, your podcast and, and the message that you send out is, you know, how to, uh, you know, stop trading your time for dollars, your time for money. And I think that holds true in, in any field, whether it's law or anything else, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, what, what we've been sort of uh, taught to do or trained to do growing up through school and everything. And, and that's, you know, what I've been trying to get away from my entire career 
basically. So, you know, it's, uh, we have very, uh, our, our philosophies definitely align. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I'll start by, by telling, uh, you know, a little bit of my background. I, um, I do have my JD. Um, I did graduate law school, but I never practiced. I never set up, set off to, to be an attorney. As a matter of fact, I actually went to law school almost as a, as a second career. Um, I started, you know, graduating, uh, back in 2001 from Florida State University with a bachelor in finance. And I always wanted to be in finance and, and, uh, and in business. And so, you know, I, right out of college, I got into the real estate industry on the financing side, uh, working for, uh, for a lender, for a mortgage lender. And, you know, from there, I parlayed that into opening my own mortgage company, my own mortgage brokerage shop, where uh, we're an independent broker registered with at one point up to 50 different lenders. Uh, and so we were doing all different types of loan and mortgage financing, real estate financing of all types. Until then, of course, um, when the foreclosure crisis, the financial meltdown hit of, you know, 2008, and um, I found myself basically going out of business. Uh, all these lenders that, uh, that we were writing uh, business for uh, essentially started shutting the doors. And one by one, they started closing shop and, and it slowly but surely trickled down to us and uh, we had to close our doors as well. Uh, so from there, I, I parlayed my, uh, my knowledge of the banking and, and lending, especially consumer financing um, experience. And I went to work for a uh, for a consumer defense law firm that specialized in foreclosure defense. And so I came aboard to work with them as their um, uh, director of loss mitigation. So essentially, my job was to uh, work with the lender's counterpart and try to figure out some sort of settlement, some sort of solution for our client, the distressed borrower who was in foreclosure at the time, I was trying to work out some sort of financial solution for their situation. Um, you know, be it a loan modification, a short sale, some sort of negotiated short payoff, um, you know, principal reduction, what have you, you know, on and on, right? All these different uh, tools that, uh, that came to light back in, back in those times. And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, as I went on, began to realize at the time that, um, you know, when it comes specifically to foreclosure defense and distress sales, um, you know, contract law is contract law, right? You, you sign the note, you have a mortgage, you default, there's the penalties already in the note, in the mortgage. And so there, it, there really isn't much of a defense. Either you paid or you didn't. So where I came in was to basically work out a, some sort of resolution, right? And, um, and I really liked the process. I, you know, I was attending a lot of mediations and, you know, one thing led to another. I found myself in law school. I actually got uh, some very good advice from, um, from someone because, you know, I, I never really attended to litigate or be an attorney, but I did like, you know, being transactional and, uh, and, and someone gave me some good advice. And, and that advice was, you know, what, what better way uh, to, to play the game than, you know, knowing all the rules, you know, and that always stuck with me. And that's really what, you know, what the legal field is, uh, where, you know, we basically have a, have a manual to, we, we know the rules better than most, or at least we like to think so. <laughs> um, and so, and so, you know, I said, why not? So I, you know, I ended up going through law school while I was still working at the firm. 
and um, and and towards the tail end of uh, my my last year in law school, um, I you know the sort of the foreclosure crisis had kind of you know cycled its way out, so we weren't really having as many clients as we were. Uh, truth be told, you know, uh, on the loss mitigation side, um, you know, I, I could tell that uh, the the clientele was kind of drying up, so there was really no need for me to stay on board. So I started looking for other further avenues because I was still in law school. It's not like I could even have the option to go, you know, off of my own in practice or anything at the time. And what I kept noticing is that um, there was real estate investors that kept coming back uh, to, to buy the short sale properties that our clients, you know, that we had listed on behalf of our clients. And, you know, I kept noticing, I kept, you know, I would look at contracts and I'm like, wait a minute, I just saw, you know, this, this buyer's name on, you know, three other contracts this week alone, you know, it's like, wait a minute. So then I started looking more into that. And one thing led to another and, and, um, you know, eventually I, um, I left the firm and, uh, and started Keystone and, and then, you know, we never looked back. <laughs> yeah. Man, so you, you never actually practiced law. How did you get so lucky? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. I won't get into it too much, but I found out very early on that, you know, litigate, while I was in law school, that litigation just wasn't for me. Uh, for whatever reason, I'm not a big fan of the courtroom decorum. Please don't kill me, you know. <laughs> those you know those of you out there listening uh it's just you know it, it just wasn't for me you know so so i knew that i didn't want to practice but i also understood the value of you know at that point having the law degree and and uh and so you know i just took it and ran with it yeah well glad you figured that out uh quickly i mean i don't, I don't like the courtroom either I, I just do transactional law or did transactional law but i still didn't like going to the office and getting dressed up and wearing a suit right. and tie every single day and right, that's not right. me either so glad you figured that oh, out sooner yeah. rather than later <laughs> yeah so how, how do you think you know at, le at least going to law school and getting your jd um how do you think some of those skills that you learned and how to think like a lawyer how those things kind of applied to your success now uh, man, I use it every single day. Uh, honestly, there isn't a single day that goes by that I don't that I don't implement some something I learned in law school, whether it's a con, you know, reviewing a contract. Um, you know, so so we do a lot of syndications, a lot of joint ventures. Uh, so obviously, there's there's a lot of contracts in, in play. Um, you know, we raise capital, of course, through the syndication. So we we work with investors. So we have to know what the rules are. You know, so we're in compliance. And um, and you know, I'll tell you a funny story. Literally, you know, this is in real time. Uh, just yesterday, we're you know negotiating an offer on a development site um, that we're looking to purchase. And, um, you know, they have an attorney on the other side and, you know, this attorney tries to, you know, put into the contract, a clause that basically stated something and I'm paraphrasing, but something along the lines where, you know, the seller reserves the right, uh, to, to, to accept other offers. And if another offer comes in higher than ours, then we have to match it. And I'm like, did this attorney go to law school? Did they? take the 1L, you know, contracts course that we're all required to take. I'm like, this guy wouldn't pass. I mean, this is an illusory contract. There's a promise for promise. There's no way this would be enforceable. You know, we're going back. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cracking up. Same attorney turns around the next day and, um, and then tries to implement some sort of option because the, the seller wanted to, you know, it's a commercial space. They wanted to keep, you know, renting the space for six months. And then they you know, wanted to implement some sort of, you know, I guess an option for them with you know some language like seller 
retains the absolute right to unilaterally decide to extend the, the lease on their own. With, it's like, what, what are we doing here? It's like a, an option without consideration. Come on. So it's like, so, you know, it, it's, you know, funny stuff like that, that we have to, you know, deal with every day. And, and, um, but, you know, I think the most important thing is also, especially in this business, you know, knowledge is power. Um, you know, I, I don't get intimidated easily. Sometimes, sometimes people try to flex their muscle or, or intimidate or, or, you know, kind of bully or push you around until they see that, okay, wait a minute, you know, this person knows what they're talking about. So we can't really, we can't really use our tactics <laughs> against yeah. them, you know? Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you just got to flex a little bit. And they're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, exactly. Let's talk then. All right. <laughs> exactly. And then everybody kind of comes back to neutral and it's like okay let's now we can have a an intelligent conversation <laughs> yeah definitely definitely man i've seen that happen time after time um uh, did you ever have like a you know a turning point an aha moment where you started looking at real estate or you know alternative investments it, it seems like you've kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit from way back you started a you know mortgage company and all all that kind of stuff but did you ever have that that idea where you're just like, you know what, maybe I need to not trade my time for money. I need to, I need to invest in real estate or invest in, in something that, that that's, you know. Yeah, no, totally. It's like when I, as I said, I mean, when I saw the, you know, sort of the, my time at the law firm starting to wind down, that, that was kind of the moment I realized that, um, that, you know, I didn't want to go back to, you know, some sort of nine to five or something like that. And so, you know, six months in the making before I left the firm, I started setting up the, you know, the, the entity and kind of building my contacts and really prepping myself to, to sort of make a lateral move. I didn't want to just, you know, from one day to the next be out in the cold. And so, and, and so my aha moment was when I kept seeing these same, you know, investors and, you know, I, I would get on the phone with them and, you know, I, I got to know them, you know, a few of them on a personal level, you know, at least over the phone, speaking to them regularly. And they were just regular guys. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, if this guy can do it, why can't I, you know, and I'm the one, you know, dealing with the lenders, I'm the one negotiating pretty much the, you know, the sale price for them. And, you know, uh, I, I can, I can do this for myself. And so, so that was sort of the, the process. I remember, you know, I left the firm, you know, I think it was December of 2015, but right around that summer, I was already working on, on basically my exit strategy just because I saw the writing on the wall and I'm like, you know what, you know, let's make a smooth transition out of here. And, um, and I'll tell you funny thing. So my first, my very first deal was, um, so it was, it was a wholesale. It was actually a, a, a client of the firm for whatever reason, I forget, we couldn't really do much for him. Um, so they're, you know, one of the partners said, listen, Steve, I know, I know that you're, you know, that you're about to leave. It was a very amicable, uh, they even let me actually retain, keep an office space there for the first year while, while I, you know, after I, after I officially left the firm, I kind of was able to sublease some office space from them. <laughs> so they referred me actually my first deal and, you know, it, it was, um, he was in pre-foreclosure, so he was going through a foreclosure process. It was a probate, so unfortunately, his his mother passed. Um, she passed, I'm fortunate to say, in inside the the property, inside the 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 unit, and so he, he just didn't want to be there anymore. Obviously, everywhere he went, it reminded her. It was very distressed uh, in terms of um, you know his employment situation, and everything like that. And um, you know, it was my very first deal. I remember I would go, I would pick him up. At some point, I was even give take him to work i would even like you know i helped them find a new place to move to i would take him pick him up and take him to the showings but this deal in particular uh so it was, i always tell people so my first deal was a wholesale i didn't really have much money so i you know i i, I 
put together a sub two contract. So a subject to contract. And, you know, I put up the deposit and uh, I, I also uh, actually um, made her to pay for his uh, probate attorney's fees, you know, out of the transaction. And so, um, you know, we ended up contracting. I got the property in the contract somewhere around, you know, 100,000. It was a little deal. I knew the property was worth about 80 grand, but it needed, you know, about 20, $30,000 worth of work, which I didn't have at the time. So I actually found a, another investor that was willing to buy it from me and, and they bought it at 120. So I basically made a $20,000 spread, you know, after I paid, you know, certain closing costs and certain concessions to, um, uh, to the seller. Uh, I mean, I probably netted like 17 grand, which is almost uh, basically two months of salary for me in about, you know, three weeks time. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, I never looked back. And so, you know, from there, we started wholesaling more and more Then we gradually went into um, uh, flips. But again, these are all very transactional. There's not some passive about it. So, so, you know, I started realizing like, wait a minute, you know, every time I close one, I need to, you know, get back into, to the next one. Uh, so that's when I started getting more into the syndications and acquiring the, um, multifamily properties. And, uh, and so now we have a multifamily, uh, syndication division. We have, um, we have a vacation rental portfolio as well. Uh, we still do some fix and flips here and there. Now we're getting to more uh, sort of larger uh, multifamily, uh, large scale uh, ground up development. And, uh, and, and it's just, you know, over the last, what, wow, it's crazy to say it's almost basically almost five years at this point. Uh, you know, just kind of gradually, it, it wasn't like a light switch where there was one thing, it, it, all of a sudden, like looking back, it was just kind of like a gradual swell, you know? And, yeah. uh, and that's just sort of the key to, to, to consistency, to being consistent. That's how it happens. It, you know, it's like a, an overnight success that takes, you know, a decade in the making. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. It's always a journey. I, I had a similar experience uh, working in, in big law, uh, just meeting, and I was in real estate, I was a real estate attorney, but meeting with clients um, and they're just like, you know, regular guys, right? Like just regular guys like you and me. And, you know, they're not uh, Warren Buffett or somebody like that walking in the office, right, it's just right. a dude in jeans and a, and a polo. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm, I'm helping this guy take down these multi-million dollar properties. Yep. And I'm just, you know, basically getting a commission or getting a, getting a salary for this. It's just like, wait, I, I need to be on that side of the table and figure out how to take down these deals myself. Yeah, no, and totally. And now, you know, just like I'm, I'm sure you do. I mean, I find myself now I'm on this side of the table. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to say that, um, you know, we're, we're up to the point where we're building, you know, we have an eight figure portfolio at this point. And, um, and, you know, I am the guy in jeans and the and polo, you know, yeah. and it's like sometimes I have to pinch <laughs> myself and it's like, well, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things where you kind of see, you know, it's, it's, it's always nice to look back so you could see, you know, where you're going. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I love how you kind of described in your story, the transition from going transactional to more passive now. I mean, obviously you're an active investor, but it, you know, more passive, at least it's on a, it's always on a gradient scale and starting with, right. you know, fix and flips and wholesales, which are very um, intensive and active and, oh, yeah. and, and completely not <laughs> passive in any way. And right. now kind of working your way up to, to larger multifamily syndications um, and bringing in passive investors where it really is truly passive for them. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I think that's the key. I think that's sort of the, the natural evolution if you stick with something long enough, you know, and um, 
even even just the other day, someone was asking me a question. Well, you know, what do you think about what's better, wholesaling or or the Burr method? You know, and it's like, well, you know, that's not the right question. The question is, what are your current circumstances? Do you need an influx of of capital, of cash right away, of income, or or do you have the ability to to create long term wealth? You know, in a, in a sort of like a more methodical, slow way and and you can apply both, you know? And so a lot of times you see, you know, these gurus with courses out there and it's like, I call it, you know, it's like a one trick pony situation. Okay, you don't learn only to wholesale or you don't learn only to syndicate or only to flip or only, you know, vacation rentals, whatever it is. And it's like, and the truth is you need to, you need to have, you know, every, every tool in your tool belt, you know, and, and, you know, I, I, I'm not going to take credit. I, I stole that saying from, from someone, I heard it somewhere, but it made sense. You know, you're not going to take a screwdriver when you need to like hammer in a nail. Right. So you gotta, you had to have the ability to, to have every tool and know how to use every tool. And I guess that comes with time. Yeah. Yeah. There's no magic pill. I mean, I say that all the time yeah. because yeah. you know, there are people out there with courses and masterminds and all these different things. And it's always focused on a, a magic pill, right? Like you have to do this to get financially free or to get wealthy or to, you know, escape the rat race or, or what have you, but it's usually a combination of things, a combination of investments. And it depends yeah. on where you're at in your life, which tool will work for you best. Yeah. You got to know how to structure deals. You have to be good at raising capital. You have, to, at least in my world, you know, it's, we, you know, you have to, there's so many different skills that you have to develop in order to, to really have a, a full comprehensive a business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. And we talk about, you know, investing passively in syndications a lot on this show, but I think the big thing on that is a lot of our listeners are, you know, big law firm attorneys or doctors right. or dentists, W2s, where they're, you know, they don't have a lot of time, but maybe they do have a good bit of money, um, active income, and they can invest passively and it won't take a lot of their time, one. And the second thing is once they do it, it opens up your mind, right? It, you want to invest even passively in a syndication, you start seeing opportunities all over the place for different investments. Maybe you can invest in energy or agriculture or you know something yeah. different than a multifamily property, maybe an RV park or a mobile home park or self-storage. You just start seeing these opportunities pop up everywhere where you didn't see them before. Yeah, and, and you, know, you, you sort of you know, hit the nail right on the head uh, when it comes to syndications where it's, you know, not everybody is the full-time investor out looking for deals, sourcing deals, structuring it, you know, managing, operating. And so that's where the, the, the LPs come in, you know, the, the investors, they're the ones that are also really getting a passive uh, income opportunity or passive investment opportunity. And, uh, and that's what I like about it. So, you know, I, I like to, when someone, you know, asks me what I do, my, my, you know, elevator pitch, if you will, is like, yeah, we help, we help busy professionals, uh, you know, find investment opportunities that they maybe otherwise wouldn't have any access to, you know? And so that's among other things, that's, that's one of the things we do. And so, like you said, busy professionals, I mean, we work with, uh, you know, a lot of investors are actually attorneys. I, I, a few of them are actually, you know, friends from law school that, you know, we all went to law school together. They invest, they invest with me, um, you know, engineers, doctors, you know, so a bunch of different professionals, actually one of the things that, um, that, uh, that we're, we're sort of going into now is, um, uh, we, we have a lot of investors from, from the crypto space, you know, especially some of these younger guys that, you know, are making tons of money in the crypto. 
And now I'm, I'm sort of now like the like the old wise. It's like, listen, you know, put put some of that. Listen, I know, I know, you know, a uh, 15% return is not sexy. It's not it's not exciting. But you're putting into brick and mortar, and, uh, and you know, it's like it's like something tangible. You want to get in your yeah. car and, and drive up to the property and like knock on the on the side of the building. You can yeah. do that, you know. And so, listen, just take a fraction of what you got over there and put it over here. And, you know, diversify. Why not? You know what? And so and so that's that's one of the things now where, you know, at 42, like I'm not like the like the old man of the of the group. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're the old guys now. There's, uh, yeah, there's the, the crypto folks that have a, a large chunk of change that they now want to invest in in something a little bit more tangible, exactly. um, something a little more consistent. Um, and, and then you also tech professionals too. I, I yeah, see a lot of tech yeah. professionals investing out there trying to transition into, you know, diversify their portfolio into some real estate assets and like real real estate, not REITs. We're talking like, right, real, right. Real. It's like, <laughs> let, let's make fungible cool again, you know? Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <So. laughs> Let's uh, switch gears a little bit because I've been itching to ask you about this. I, I know that um, you're big on AI and, and you know, things like that. And there's a lot of buzz out there about eye buying. Um, and then there was the, you know, the Zillow kind of collapse with that and open door still kind of pressing forward with that. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, you know, where it's going and how it's how it might be helpful for investors in the future? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that we're sort of branching into is uh, into the tech space. And so one of the projects that we've recently launched is uh, a lead generation platform uh, that does use the, you know, algorithms, artificial intelligence, it actually plugs in with social media. So uh, it, it makes it very easy to, to, to put out, you know, different the ads to different platforms it, it integrates completely and, and it has all the different tools that you need but but what makes it unique is that um uh if you're familiar with um with social media marketing with the facebook pixel specifically uh that helps you target your to, to a specific audience um and, and so what our software does is that again through the through the ai it kind of starts to 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 learn your 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 perfect audience the perfect avatar that you're targeting and then helps you retarget so that it makes your ads much 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 more effective and so now when it comes to lead generation you're having as i like to describe it makes you the lead magnet where you're having whoever your target audience is, whether it's a distressed, you know, seller, or even in the, in the retail space as a, as a broker, you know, you're, you're, you're competing against the Zillow's of the world, the realtors.com, uh, the open, open door, uh, you know, all these, all these eye buyers, and they're targeting these people online, you know, they're digitally. So you have to be able to compete with them so that, you know, the days of, of cold calling, uh, door knocking, sending out, you know, flyers. I mean, nowadays, you know, someone knocks on your door, you're like, you know, people close their blinds and it's like, wait a minute, who's here? You know, it's like, we're going to call the cops, you know? So it, you, none of that works, right? Or you get a flyer. I mean, I don't, you know, it's funny because, you know, as a property owner, we're also on the other end. I mean, I get a stack of flyers as big as, like, hey, we want to buy your house. I don't even look at it. Just like, you know, it goes in the garbage, just like everybody else does. So nowadays, everything, you know, if you see an ad on your feed and you're like, oh, you know, you click on it and then now you're interested. Now, now that cold audience becomes a warm audience and now they're they're seeking you out and so so that's what we're launching uh we just launched actually 
Uh, it's called ISOM 360. Um, you know, if anybody wants to check it out, but, um, but again, if you're, if you're trying to source deals and, and you're trying to bypass, you know, you're trying to get these off market deals, um, and again, you want to bypass realtors, you want to, you know, be competitive with all these big tech companies. That's what you need. You need, you need some sort of technology that's working for you as well. Cause otherwise you're going to be way behind the, you know, the eight ball there. Yeah, for sure, man. That, that sounds awesome. We'll have to share a link in the, in the show notes for that. I'll have to check that out myself as well. Awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. Cause you're right, man. We get those flyers in the mail. We're just like, ah, trash, trash, trash. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, I don't know how effective it is. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't do it anymore, but uh, it just seems like a waste yeah. of time. At this point. Everybody I've spoken to, I mean, a lot of people have stopped doing it. So it's, it's cause it's, you know, too saturated, you know? Yeah. So digital, digital is the way to go nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the, the current housing market right now. I mean, you were, you know, devastated by the crash in 2007, 2009, when that happened with a lot of people, I mean, it wiped out a ton of people, ton of jobs. Um, a lot of a lot of people that are invested in you know residential real estate at the time. Uh, what what do you are you seeing any warning signs now or or what what are you seeing out there? Any any kind of um, you know similarities or discrepancies? What what are you seeing out there? Yeah, no, I I would definitely say it, it's it's a completely different situation right now. Um, you know the the housing crash was um, was caused by. Uh, you know, these mortgage-backed securities and derivatives and basically Wall Street essentially betting against um, all these creative financing programs that, that they were creating on one hand and then betting against it on the other. And it was just basically setting up, you know, setting up consumers for disaster. Um, that's not the case right now. Underwriting guidelines are still very tight. Uh, there's no such thing as 100% financing or, or no doc or, you know, stated programs or anything like that. You know, as a borrower, you have to show financials. Everything for the most part is, you know, full doc. And, and so on, from that standpoint, um, you know, I see that very secured. What, what I am seeing now, though, is obviously inflation being an issue uh, as far as uh, raising, raising um, you know, the the prices i don't want to say value because you know value and price are two different things obviously so but definitely raising the prices for for something that may still have you know the original value once had so things are just more expensive because the 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 value of the of the dollar is going down you know you know basically what a, a dollar right now it's really if you're holding a dollar bill it's really worth maybe what 90 cents <laughs> so it's not really worth enough, yeah. yeah it's really not <laughs> worth a dollar right so um, so it's a, it's a different situation. Um, one thing that I did learn and, and, and I kind of see it still holding true now is that, um, the, the rental market's always gonna, it's going to be strong because people always need a place to live. Uh, so if you don't necessarily qualify for a mortgage or don't have down payment money, uh, you can still go and, uh, and rent. It might be, it might not be an A-class type of community but a b certainly a c so there's always going to be that market that's why i love multifamily syndication so much i i, I kind of feel like it's you know recession proof to the extent that you can be um for the most part um and so uh you know i live in south florida so the you know i mean prices are ridiculous uh you know i, I do have some investments down here in south florida but Overall, in general, I like to farm outside of South Florida, even, you know, even outside of Florida altogether, just because uh, just because the way things are in this market. But for our properties that we already do own, I mean, it's it's great. I mean, we're watching our our, our 
you know, our values skyrocket and, and our rentals as well. So, yeah. it, it, you know, it's not the same as it was back in 08. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. It's just, you know, a lot of people are talking about, you know, it's going to be a bubble, but they've been saying the same thing now since like 2015. So <laughs> yeah, look, everything is a bubble. Scared. Everything is a bubble. And, and at the end of the day, um, you know, if you, if you research and you do your homework, you know, that real estate is cyclical and, 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 and it just follows the same. It's about an 18 year cycle every time. So as an investor, as long as you know, you know, have a relative idea of where you are in that cycle, you, you, you know how to, adjust your your strategy accordingly your acquisition strategy accordingly uh and and ultimately if if your plan is to hold anyway long term um you know you can you can ride down any down cycle so you know the 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 key is not not to buy you know you make money when you buy right so if you're at the top of the market you don't want to be the one caught you know with your pants down when the market goes down and now you're you know you're holding uh you're over leveraged you know, yeah. so that's where you have to know what you're Definitely. doing and make sure you're doing your homework. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I know you love to talk about mindset. So let's let's jump into that a little bit. You know, what do you think separates successful people like yourself that kind of got out of the rat race, so to speak, and the, and taking control of your life and your time and, you know, compared to those people that get stuck and maybe just, you know, maybe they're just listening to the podcast, read the books and they never take action. They never invest in a syndication. They never start a business. They never kind of get out of that rat race. What yeah. do you think separates those two people? Well, you know, it's it's a unique question, especially for for your audience, because you know you have very successful listeners uh, that you know. Uh, as an attorney, you know, it's a it's a profession that requires you to have a lot of courage, but honestly, my, my first answer is, is, is having that courage that believe in yourself to actually take that leap, you know, cause sometimes you get comfortable and, um, and you just kind of, kind of want to have your safety net. And, uh, and that's, that's sort of the, you know, which a lot of people don't, don't necessarily talk about when you're an entrepreneur is, is having the courage to take that, that, that next step. Um, I mean, I, we deal with that all the time now with, you know, now that we're doing larger, larger deals, you know, we're signing on that dotted line. I'm looking at those, you know, a couple extra zeros and I hesitate. I'm like, wait, okay. you know, it's like, I remember when, you know, I, I, I was uh, nervous to take on a project because, you know, it's a couple hundred grand or, you know, I needed to raise, you know, $20,000 to, to kind of get a, you know, small rehab done. Now we're signing, you know, multi-million dollar projects. And, and at the end of the day, that's kind of what it boils down to though, you know, is having that, that, that courage and that, that, that self-confidence in yourself, which I know for a fact doesn't run short with, with your audience specifically, you know, yeah. I'm sure you have a lot of a type. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. But, but you said it that, you know, the, the cushy law job, it, it's very comfortable, right? I mean, you know, you get in those circles, you, you know, you buy the new vehicle every couple of years, you right, buy a bigger right. house than you need, get the the golden handcuffs, that sort of thing. Well, yeah, there you go. At yeah. some point, even if you don't hate your job or you don't want to quit at some point, you're going to, you're going to realize like, wait a minute, I need a little bit more flexibility in my schedule, freedom with my time. Maybe I don't want to bill 3000 hours this year. Maybe I want to come cut it back a little bit and be able to do that. You have to make some wise investments. And, and a lot of times that involves stepping out of your comfort zone, maybe outside of your 401k and invest in, in real estate or alternative investments, or maybe even start a, a side business with your significant other or whatever it might be. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, even even talking about like a 401k where, you know, I, I just recently took some money out of one and we rolled it over into a self-directed IRA to to purchase some some land, on, you know, for some development where we're getting ready to uh, break ground on. So you just got to, you know, you got to take that leap, you know, and, and uh, be willing to take risks. You know, obviously you have to uh, take calculated risks, but that's what it's all about, right? no risk, no reward. So (laughs) at some point you do have to take that risk. (laughs) That's it, man. All right. Before we jump into the freedom for one last golden nugget for our listeners. Um, You know, honestly, it all boils down to action. Um, I was just having this conversation just the other day as well, where, you know, we're talking about, well, uh, you know, some people think that, you know, manifestation or manifesting is, is is sort of BS, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, I'm not going to sit on my couch and wish for a Coca-Cola or a bag of cash on my lap. Well, that's not going to happen. You're not going to manifest that into existence without taking action, without taking massive action. So really at the end of the day, that's what everything boils down to. Cause you know, you can, you can set goals, you can do goal setting, you can do plan, you know, you can plan, you can, you can, journal you can you know manifest you can do whatever but unless you actually go out there and take action and take that first step you're not going to get past the the dream stage you know where it's still a, you know a goal without action is a dream right so what what good is that going to do so at the end of the day for me it's just really taking out it's getting out there and taking that massive action could not agree more all right let's jump into the freedom four it's time for the freedom four What's the best thing oh, right. to do to keep your mind and body healthy? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I think it's these days it's kind of cliche, but definitely my morning ritual. I mean, you know, I wake up. Um, I, I got to have my workout. You know, for me, it's 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 the gym and even like, you know, the 20 minutes on the on the treadmill. Uh, I try you know, I try to do the, the, the meditation thing, but uh, you know, I, 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 that's not me. So like, at least if I'm moving and I'm on the treadmill, I, I start sort of like thinking through my day or if there's any issues or what I like to call challenges or obstacles that I need to overcome. I started like thinking of solution and uh, believe it or not, I've actually come up with, uh, with solutions to a lot of different issues uh, on, on the treadmill, you know, and, and it also just helps me release some of that tension. So definitely my morning workout. Yeah. Even if it's not uh, meditation or, or prayer or something, you need some sort of uh, a silence, even if that's working out where you let your mind just kind of go. Whatever's go. working for you. Exactly. Whatever yeah. works for you, but, but definitely it's something. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the morning with all your success. What is one limiting belief that you've crushed along the way and how did you get past it? <sighs> well, initially I think with, you know, raising capital, for example, um, when I was first wholesaling, I, I kind of think back to this a lot where, um, I remember on my first flip, I didn't know where, and it was a small flip. It was like $30,000 and, and I didn't really know where the money was going to come from. And, and if I could get it, you know, I have this PR, I have this property in the contract. I could hold, like, I could, you know, wholesale it, but I refused to wholesale. Like, I'm like, I need to do this deal. Like I want to do. And, and sure enough, I was able to, to bring in a, a, a partner and do the deal and, and now, I mean, I, the reason I look back at that one is because I just raised, you know, $3 million for uh, development. I'm just one, I'm one of all the multiple deals we're working on. 
but I always think back to that one, you know, and that wasn't that long ago. It was maybe 2016 or so that I was, you know, I couldn't figure out where I was going to get 30,000 from. And now I literally just, you know, we just signed <laughs> for uh, a $3 million <laughs> for just one deal. So, so that's one of the limiting beliefs. It's like, you know, if, if, if you believe that, you know, that you have access to whatever it is that you need and, and you really focus on that, it, you know, you can make it happen. Awesome. Awesome. What's one actual step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom? Um, put together a, a, an action plan. What is it that you want to do? Obviously, you know, our niche is real estate, but it could be anything. I mean, I know, I know some attorneys that, um, that uh, one in particular I can think of, she left a, a, a very successful, she was partner at her firm and uh, she went to work for uh, one of these multi-level marketing companies. And I mean, she's, she's making more money than she ever did at the firm. So whatever it is that you want to do, you know, put together an action plan and, and actually follow it, implement it, you know? Yeah. So I think that's, that's the key there. So again, whether it's real estate or anything else. Nice. Last but not least, how has passive income made your life better? Uh, it's just the, the flexibility, just, um, just being able to, um, to not have to worry about that next deal, that next transaction. And, and believe it or not, just having that, sort of like that that bandwidth sort of like open up more deals are actually coming i don't i don't know what it is when you're not so worried about where the next deal is coming from all of a sudden just kind of like you know the universe just kind of makes flow flows differently (laughs) (laughs) i like that i don't know if i've heard anyone put it that way but it it makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense man george it's been awesome thanks for sharing your story today we're going to listeners find out more about you uh yeah so um you can always uh, find me on social media at George Fajardo KPI on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, if you want to check out our, our tech company, um, isom360.com. Um, if, uh, if you want to see what deals we're working on, uh, kpiinternationalrealty.com as well. And, um, and yeah, just if you want to talk to me directly, social media is probably the best place. Send me a DM, shoot me a message, and I'll be happy to get back to you. All right, brother. Appreciate it. Talk soon. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. George is the man. Love his story and positive energy. He's doing some big things down there in Florida. So reach out to him if you have any questions about the investments that he's getting involved in. All right. Major key, leverage the skills and knowledge you've developed in your career and apply those to creating a life of freedom. Think creatively plan intelligently, and most importantly, take action. Now, if you're ready, partner with us on one of our next passive real estate deals. Go to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com and join our Esquire Passive Investor Club. Until next time, folks, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.